Hey, welcome to Time Change Sunday, huh? You made it. Pat yourself on the back. All right. So for some of you, if your phone didn't change over, it means you forgot to pay your cell phone bill. And uh, that's not a good thing. You know, we're talking about money. So it might be good for you to pay that cell phone bill so that smartphone will get smart for you, all right, and change the time. You know, I laugh at people. They're like, oh, I was late. I was late. I was like, like, don't you have a smartphone? They go, yeah, but I'm still late. I'm still late. So, listen, we're just a late crowd, okay? So welcome to 11 a.m. at Southcrest. We're so glad you're here. We're in this series called Strapped. Look at your neighbor and say, we got to get unstrapped, all right? So I want to ask you this question. How's your relationship? Now, I'm not talking about with the person next to you, okay? I can see that. That's kind of awkward at moments, looking at people watch each other. But uh, how's your relationship to money? That's what we've been talking about. Last week, we said a lot of very important things as it relates to money and how important it is for us to have a good relationship with money. One of the things we said last week that's so important is God wants us to learn to treasure the right things so that we won't be owned by the wrong things in life. And whether you realize it or not, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And so God wants us to live free uh, when it comes with our finances. You say, well, I don't have any money, so, you know, I'm kind of free, okay? Some of you go, I have a lot of money, and, and I'm not free. It doesn't matter if you have money. It's not about the measure of money that you have. It's about the relationship with money. Also, the thing we learned about last week is that if our relationship with money is right then we are literally freed up to serve God and money will serve us because we learn that we can't serve two masters, right? You can't have two masters. It's like that awkward conversation where your buddy's calling you on the cell phone and your your wife is beside you in the car and there's two conversations going on, okay? You can't talk to both at the same time. Even if you put them on speakerphone, it just doesn't work. And so when it comes to money, it's the same way. God says, hey, listen, I want you to be free to serve me. I want you to have a heart that's free to serve me and let money serve you. Now, how many of you guys would like for money to serve you? Raise your hand. Yeah, some of you call that interest, all right? But we're going to talk about that a little bit more today. So here's why this is so important to us. Whether you realize it or not, we live strapped many times by money because of our relationship to money. And when we feel strapped by money, it begins to affect every single area in your life. Last week, we shared a a statistical report that was put out by the American Psychological Association that basically said this. It said that, you know, we have all these stresses about money. And even though the economy has changed a little bit, gas prices, you know, are no longer like $12 a gallon, which praise the Lord for that. Uh, But that still doesn't change the American psyche. So it's about the relationship that we have to money. And we need to learn to tether that. You know, one of the things that it talked about in that report that I didn't mention last week is they said one of the things that will help an individual deal with their stress over money is for them to be in a group of people who can support them, whether they're doing fine financially or whether they're not doing so good financially, which I just looked at that as being a shameless promotion for life groups in our church. If you're not in a life group, that's a great opportunity for you to find emotional and support and health. And who knows, man, your friends may loan you 20 bucks if you come to their group. So sign up for a life group. All right. So we're talking about money. We're talking about how it affects every area of our life. It will affect our health. It will affect our, obviously our pocketbook. But you know, it will also affect our relationships. How we relate to money will affect those that we are in relationship with. Now listen to this. This is a very profound thought. How we relate to money is one of the most visual measurements of the condition of our heart. 
It's one of the most visual measurements of the condition of our heart. You say, well, I don't struggle with money. Look at your heart and you'll find out if you struggle with it or not. Some of you are stressed out, not just because we're talking about money, you're stressed out because you lost an hour of sleep, okay? So wake your neighbor up real quick, say, hey, wake up, man. We made it to 11 o'clock service today. Or welcome to the 10 a.m. service. Some of you will figure that out, okay? How we relate to money is one of the most visual measurements of the condition of our heart. Now listen to these statistics. 61% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. Some of you go, man, I can testify to that, okay? The next thing, two-thirds of the parables in the Bible deal with money and possessions. So some of you are like, man, I hate it when preachers talk about money. Listen, preachers talk about money because Jesus talked about money. Can we get over that fact? Jesus wants us to relate well to money. It's not about what the preacher has to say or the speaker has to say. Jesus talked about it two-thirds of the time in the parables. It was dealing with money and possessions. Listen to this. One in 10 verses in the Gospels deal with money and possessions. Can you understand that Jesus saw the propensity in our life to let money and possessions rule our hearts? And so he said, we got to get this relationship right. Over 2,300 verses in the Bible speak about money and possessions. So to say, well, you know, it makes me feel tense to talk about money. That's why Jesus wanted us to tackle this issue. He wants us to live free of that tension. Now listen, some of you may go through tension your whole life financially. Did you know that you can have peace even though you may have financial tension? Why? Because if your relationship with money is right, you will serve God and money will serve you, not the other way around. So Jesus here is telling us about this. Now here's the question I have for you today. If all these things are true, then when it comes to money, what is it that we really worry about? You ever thought about that? When it comes to money, what is it that we really worry about? You say, well, Sean, I have no money, so I'm not worried. Some of you go, I have money, so I'm not worried. But can I tell you, when it comes to our worry about money, it really comes down to this one answer. We worry that we won't have enough. I mean, really, when you boil all the water out of the pot... If I told you today that you're going to receive a $500 check every two weeks from some random person, and every two weeks they're going to send you $500, you're stressed about money, you'd be like, oh, I'm good, man. Bring it on. Some of you go, wow, that's cool. Sounds like the lotto, okay? The truth is, if you knew that you had a supply coming over and over and over again, and that you were never going to have this feeling of money I don't have enough of, you think, well, then I wouldn't worry about money. You see, this is why many times people struggle to give. I mean, in all the years I've been in ministry, I've met people that when it comes to the area of giving, they say, man, I really do want to be a giver. I was reading a church leadership magazine last week, and they did a survey of thousands and thousands of churchgoers. And listen to what they concluded. 96% of the people they surveyed called themselves generous people. People want to be generous. In fact, 80% of those same people say they want to be more generous than they currently are. Man, I wish I could be more generous. But here's the kicker. 92% say they feel held back by a lack of money. So the question is, why do we worry about money? Because we're worried that we won't have enough. So if you follow that train of thought, you could almost conclude this. If people had more money, they would be more generous. Did you know they also did some statistics about that? 
They found it to be true that when people make more money, they actually become less generous in their life. That the most generous people are not always the richest people. But it's the people who've learned to relate well to the resources that they have. So why do we struggle? We struggle because when we feel as if we don't have enough money in life, we begin to live our lives in scarcity. You say, what is scarcity? Well, according to the dictionary, scarcity is the state of being scarce or in short supply to have or experience a shortage. Now, for us in this room, scarcity in an American culture, it is a huge issue. And I want to relate this to you in a very practical way because I've seen this happen in my own life. When I think that there's not enough, I begin to do some really crazy things. So I remember in 1980, let's show this picture here. How many of y'all remember when the first big gulp came out? Yeah, 1980, man, that was a good year. Satin jackets and big gulps, okay? And uh, I remember going down to the local 7-Eleven, and I said, uh, back in those days, we called them the stop and rob. And uh, we would go in, and we would get a 32-ounce big gulp. And we were the envy of all of our friends because we would go back, and we had this massive... Now, all my friends, all they had was 16 ounces, okay? I had 32 ounces of Dr. Pepper. I mean, it was like flowing like milk and honey in my life. And I'm drinking out of this big gulp cup, and I'm almost taunting it like, hey, you see my big gulp? And suddenly, you know, when you're, when you're that age and, and everything, you think like 32 ounces. And then in the 1990s, they said, hey, man, we got something better. We're going to create the super big gulp. And it went from 32 ounces to 44 ounces, and everyone was like, yes, for a buck 29, I'm going to get 44 ounces of some slice, okay? You're going to put that in the cup, and you're going to drink it, and you're going to be so excited. And that wasn't enough. So in the new millennium, right, welcome to the new age, okay? In the new millennium, 64 ounces, the double big gulp. Can I get an amen? Now, here's what's crazy. I had no idea that 16 ounces was not enough until they introduced the big gulp. I had no idea that 32 ounces wasn't enough until they did the super big gulp. And then all of a sudden, there's the double big gulp. And so here's what you do. You do the same thing I do. You go into the store and you start dealing with your relationship to the big gulp in the area of scarcity. And you say, why would I pay 99 cents for 32 ounces where for a buck 69, I could have double. Just so you know, they just introduced the latest big gulp, 2015. It's called the team gulp. It's 128 ounces. Okay, listen, men, if you want to avoid that stop that you have every 15 minutes on the road, do not go for the team. Don't buy into it, man. You won't always launch the team, the dream. Yeah, don't do that. So here's the problem that we have. You see, our portion sizes in America have led us to believe that we didn't realize that 16 ounces was enough. You say, well, I've been duped. I've been marketed to. Yes, you have. And suddenly you didn't realize that what you had was enough, and so you begin to live in this way of scarcity. You know, we do the same thing with money. The truth is, when I don't know <laughs> that what I have is not enough, I'm fine. 
But suddenly I begin to look around and I begin to judge myself and my finances and my relationship with my finances goes awry. And suddenly I begin to deal with my finances with scarcity. We begin to worry. Am I going to have enough? I don't make what everyone makes. I don't, I don't have all the... I don't do all... I don't got a 401 nothing. Okay? I don't even have a four. Much less than a one. And we let worry and we let fear and we live in scarcity. And scarcity is the idea that I am in short supply and that I don't have enough. We do it with our finances all the time. You know, in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 5, verse 10, Solomon said these words. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. Some of you, you, your head just went, wow. The wisest man who probably ever walked the planet other than Jesus said these words. He said, if, you, if your love of money is there, then you're never going to have, and if your love of wealth is there, you're never going to be satisfied. Why? Because you're never going to feel that you have enough. So there again, it's not about the measure of what we have. It's more than the math of zeros and tens and and fives and savings accounts. All that stuff's good. A financial plan is great, and you need to have one. But at the end of the day, what will free you up to be the best financial planner in your life is to stop living in scarcity. The idea that there's not going to be enough. You know, I know when you talk to people about giving... I know, because anytime you mention money, people go, oh, he's going to talk about giving. Yeah, I'm going to talk about giving. Why? Jesus talked about giving. We're going to talk about everything Jesus talked about in Scripture. And so he, he talks about our giving, and in the Bible it talks about a tithe. And a tithe was set aside as the first tenth. And that's why a lot of people, they struggle to ever trust God in tithing. Here's why. Because they sit around and they say, I don't know if the 90% will be enough. That even sounds weird to say that, isn't it? God, I don't know if I can give you the first tenth because I don't know that 90% will be enough. What do you think God says when we say that to him? I would look down at us and go, you, you guys are crazy, man. You got like the double big gulp and you're worried about whether or not I can supply the need. So Jesus here in Matthew chapter 6 addresses this issue head on. We know that he's talking through the Sermon on the Mount. We know that he talked about the Beatitudes and all the things that we can do in our life to experience real happiness. But in chapter 6, he gives us a very profound thought when it comes to this idea of worry and scarcity over finances in our life. Look at what it says in Matthew 6.25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear, Is not life more important than food and the body more than clothes? So there's that word, therefore. And if you know anything in the Bible, when the Bible says, therefore, it's therefore a reason, right? What is Jesus talking about? He's taking us back a week. What we talked about last week in verses 19 through 24 about treasures. He says, hey, make sure you're storing up the right treasures in the right places because then you're going to feel secure because your heart's going to go there. And then he says, hey, be careful that your life's goal and your vision, that your eye is good, because you don't want to be faked out by all the things in life that tell you that, hey, this is the way that you should view finances when this is the way you should view your finances. And then remember in verses 19 through 24, he also made this statement. He said, you can't serve two masters. So make the decision in your life that you're going to serve God and you're not going to serve money. 
So Jesus here, in this passage in verse 25, he uses a very important word. He uses the word worry. Now, I'm just going to ask you, how many people in the room are savers and how many are spenders? If you're a saver, raise your hand, okay? If you're a spender, raise your hand. There's, we had some arguments last week. I had some couples going, we need counseling because he's a spender and I'm a saver. Okay, listen, if you are a saver, you are a natural worrier. Oh. And if you're a spender, <laughs> you're not worrying about a whole lot, man. Listen to that sound as it goes through the reader. Mm, mm, mm. I mean, you figured out a way to take a four-digit pin down to a one-digit pin. Whoop! Right? I mean, you lay awake at night dreaming about QVC. <laughs> the truth is this. <laughs> Whether you're a spender or you're a saver in this room, we all struggle with worry. And Jesus knew this. And he said, listen... When it comes to this idea about finances and possessions and and the money and the resources that I've given you, the first words in verse 25 is, don't worry about your life. You see, worry is like an emotional cancer. It grows in our hearts. It usually begins with a seed, but it grows in our hearts. And the more we give over to worry, the more we make everything that's false in our life appear real. But let me tell you why Jesus addressed the issue of worry here. Because worry ruins relationships. And Jesus wanted us to have the right relationship with money. You know why? Not because he wants our money. Because he cares about our relationship to him and he cares about our relationship with each other. Remember what I said last week? Some of us can't even talk about finances with our own family. There's suspicion. There's worry. There's fret. Jesus doesn't want that for us. Worry will ruin the relationships in our life. Most of the time I've ever heard this passage preached, it's a message on worry. But Jesus is taking it right back to our money and our possessions. He says, hey, listen, I don't want you to worry because I don't want the relationships to be ruined. Jesus uses this word worry six times in nine verses. He wanted to attack the issue in our life. Some of us in this room, we're so stressed out and anxious over our finances, we're sick. And the closer we get to April 15th, you're praying for Jesus to come back. Yes, Lord, I know there's a lot happening in the Middle East. Let it happen around April 13th. (laughs) Let's get on with this. (laughs) The truth is, Jesus didn't want us to live in worry. You know, I heard someone say years ago, worry will not change my tomorrow. It will only rob me of today's joy. The only way we will win over worry is when Jesus is the master of our lives and we make him the master of our finances. Because it's not about how much you have or how much you don't have. It's not even how much you think you, you know, can give. It's, it's not about that. It's about our relationship. You see, here's what worry is. Worry is losing the awareness that God can help us and meet our needs. We all have a need in life to know that God sees us. Some of us think God is like a distant uncle who was mad at the family. 
God doesn't care about the details of my life. Listen, God cares about the intricate details of your life. The Bible even says he knows every hair that's on your head. Or for those of you without hair, he knows how much hair you don't have. God cares. We have a need in our life to know that God sees us. And worry is losing the awareness that God can help us and meet our needs. So in Matthew 6 here, Jesus says some very important things. First of all, he says this. We are more valuable than the creation, the rest of his creation. We're more valuable than the rest of his creation. In verse 26, he says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet their heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Jesus was using a principle called lesser to greater here. And here's what he was saying. Look at the least of creation, like this little bird. Like outside my study at my house, there's this bird that comes every morning. I just think God's got a funny sense of humor because this week as I was studying this passage, there's this little bitty bird that shows up on my doorstep and he sits outside of my window and he's got chirp, chirp. And I'm sitting here studying this passage and God going, hello, hello. I'm trying to get to you, bro. The truth is this. We are more valuable than the rest of God's creation. The reason that God doesn't want us to be consumed about worry when it comes to our finances is because we're valuable to him. Number two, worry about money doesn't add any value to our lives. He uses the phrase here, can any one of you, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Remember what I said? Some of us in this room, we have a propensity to worry. Specifically in the area of finances, because we're afraid that we're not going to have enough. And he says, listen, can you add anything, even a single hour to your life? Now, on Time Change Sunday, I know some of you that would probably give $100 for an hour more sleep, right? I mean, Starbucks did really well today <laughs> because of time change. A whole daylight saving things. It's not about anything. It's about coffee, okay? We're trying to sell more coffee. The truth is, you can't add anything to your life through worry. Jesus said, when it comes to your money and your possessions, you're not adding a single hour to your life. It's kind of like this. You go to the store, you come home, and you look at the receipt, and you realize you paid double for something you didn't even need. Y'all ever done that? They charge you double, and you look at it and you go, wait a minute, I wasn't supposed to spend an extra $17. I paid $17 right here, but I paid... Listen, worry is like going to the store and paying twice for something you didn't even buy. Jesus said, you can't get any value added to your life through worrying about money. Not only that, he says, God knows. God knows all our needs. Remember what I said earlier? We have a need to know that God sees us. He says, God knows all your needs. Look at verse 28. He says, and why do you worry about clothes? All right, fathers of teenage daughters, raise your hands. Here's your prophetic word right here, okay? Look at your teenage daughter and say, why dost thou worryeth about clothes, okay? Why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, 
Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. Look at verse 20 or verse 30. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Look what else he says. He says, so don't worry saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? God knows. He knows our need. Look what he says in verse 32. He says, for the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. You see, when it comes to money and possessions, many times our relationship gets really crooked because we don't realize how well God knows our needs. We don't realize it. I mean, go back to verse 28 real quick. In verse 28, he says, why do you worry about clothes? And then he uses this word see, which in some translations is the word consider. In other words, what he's saying to us is, I want you to learn from the grass that's in the field, the flowers that are coming up. Now, the weird thing about it is those flowers, those grass, they didn't plant themselves. Somebody else planted them, but who made it grow? God made it grow. Now, I just want to throw this out because this is just a side note, and I just laugh at certain things in life. So here's the deal. We have grass in our yard. We put water on it. We put seed on it. We put all this stuff to make it grow, to make it green. We grow it up and then we pay someone to come and cut the grass and take it away. Man, we're geniuses. Have y'all ever connected those dots? And I'm not hating on the lawn care guy. I love my lawn care guy. He's awesome. He goes to church here. He's amazing. But what Jesus is trying to say is, don't you realize God already knows all your needs? He says, look at, look at this whole deal about Solomon, dressed in all of his splendor. If you know anything about King Solomon, he was one of the most well-dressed to the nines people. He said, God even dresses the fields and the flowers better than Solomon. Don't you think he knows what you need? He says, God knows our need. God knows what I need, when I need it, and he knows how to supply it. Did you hear that? God knows what you and I need, when we need it, and he knows how to get it to us. You say, I don't understand. I don't understand either. That's why I'm not God. And the cool thing is this. I've just been kind of the recipient all my life as a believer on that because I just firmly believe that God knows what I need and when I need it. And sometimes I go, well, I wish I had this. And I go, well, I don't have enough for it. And I go, well, maybe I don't need it. I guess if I really needed it, God would supply it. And I can rest that God knows what I need. Remember, I didn't know that I needed a team big gulp (laughs) until I looked back and realized or thought that somehow 32 ounces wasn't enough. God knows what I need. The last thing is God knows Or God gives us enough grace for today. He tells us in verse 34, he says, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. The principle here is this. God gives us enough grace for today. Now, here's what's crazy. Back in Exodus chapter 16, there's a beautiful picture of this. Talking about scarcity and how God gives us enough for when we need it. In Exodus 16... 
God's people were traveling in the, 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 the wonderland there. They were trying to figure out how to get into the promised land. And, and all of a sudden, God said, hey, they were grumbling like, God, we're hungry. We should go back to Egypt. He says, no, 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 you're my people. I want you to stay out here, and I'm going to provide for you. So every morning, I want you to get up, and I want you to come outside, and I'm going to create these little cakes called manna, and they're just going to like form on the ground, and I'm going to bring this quail, and it's, this quail's going to come in, and you're going to have manna from heaven, and you're going to have quail, and every day, here's the instruction he told them, every day, I want you to go out and eat your fill, but when you're done, I don't want you to try to scoop all the extra up and put it in a bag for tomorrow, because if you do, it will rot and it will spoil. God was teaching us already about scarcity in our life. He shows us that picture because he wants us to remember that God's grace is enough for today. Now, when our struggle and worry and our struggle with scarcity, here's what we want from God. God, don't you think you could give me enough grace for today and maybe tomorrow and then like through Friday and maybe just like two weeks, I promise, I promise, like I won't squander it. Like, will you, will, you just give me, will you just give me enough so that I have like four days worth? You ever wonder why God doesn't do that with us? Here's why I believe God doesn't do that with us. If God gave us enough grace for next week or tomorrow, you and I wouldn't live in relationship with him. And God cares more about his relationship to us than he does about what's in our pocketbook. You say, well, I don't like those rules. I want, listen, you're living in scarcity. Jesus said the reason you're so caught up and worried and anxious and all this stuff is you're worried you're not gonna have enough. And he says, my grace is enough for you today. Because here's what we would do. If God gave us enough for two weeks, three weeks from now, we would hoard it. And we wouldn't live in relationship with him. Now, this is how I know this is true. I've seen some of you at a football game or a basketball game and your fourth grader, fifth grader, seventh grader, ninth grader walks up to you and says, hey, mom, I need some money. I need some Skittles. So dad pulls out the wallet. Mom pulls out the purse and they pull out a $5 bill. And you give that child and what do you say? Hey, bring me my money back. Bring me the change. Okay. So you give them $5, you're like, Skittles don't cost $5, son. Okay, do your math, okay? So you give them $5, they come back, well, I decided to buy some M&Ms and some Skittles and a couple of pickles and, you know, they bring back, you get like 50 cents back, right? Okay, so your kid comes up to you and instead of handing them a five spot, you pull out your wallet and you hand them a $50 bill. Listen, you won't see your kid for weeks. He'll be living in another county. He'll have opened up a line of credit in your name. Why? Because the one thing that's true is that your kid always comes back to you because they know you know how to supply the need. So what God says, he says, listen, don't worry about your life. Quit stressing about all these things you can't change. You can't change the dollar signs. You can't move them. You, you can't fudge it. You can't do it. But here's what you can do. You can live free of worry when you realize that my grace is enough for you today. So what is the key to living unstrapped? I think Jesus told us this because this is the verse we didn't hit. It's a very famous verse. 
He says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. I want you to stop and think about that verse for a second. Jesus said, seek first. The word seek means it's active. It's not passive. We have to do something. Seek first. Now listen, there are first things in our lives, okay? Now some of you, you get this because you wake up every day and you have this like sense of, you know, these are the things I do every day in my life. I am a perpetual bed maker, okay? I love making the bed in my house. I firmly believe I change the world every day just by starting by making my bed. All right? You go, oh, you're so optimistic. Okay, well, give me your glass and I'll kick it, all right? The truth is, <laughs> the truth is, there are first things in our lives that define us. Jesus said there are first things in his kingdom. And the first thing in his kingdom is this. He says, if you seek me first, you seek my will and my purpose for your life, not only will you get the relationship with me, which is worth far more than gold, but he says these things, and all these things will be given to you as well. I call that a twofer. That's a two-for-one in the realm of the kingdom. Jesus said, if you'll figure out what should be first in your life, which is the relationship between me and you, and you'll seek after that, all these things will be given to you as well. Listen, that's not a prosperity gospel. That's the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, you want to live your life free of worry? Seek first the kingdom of heaven. So I started thinking about this. We're struggling with scarcity in our life. We're worried that we're not going to have enough. And so we get stressed out about money and we make it all about the measure instead of being really good managers of what God's given us. And I ask this question, how do we overcome it? Well, I thought about it this way. The way we overcome scarcity is through generosity. You say, hmm, that hurts. Because that means that I literally have to give myself or be willing to give away in order to see God meet my needs. Here's what I know about my life. Scarcity will always oppose generosity in my life. When I think I can't and then I choose to do, God supplies the need. Some of you here, you're struggling because you're like, man, I'm trying to, I'm trying to manage what God's given me, but I've made some stupid mistakes in my life and, and I feel like I can't be generous because if I am generous of giving myself away or my time away or my treasure away, I won't have enough. The way we overcome scarcity is through generosity because you know what it does? It evokes and proves God's faithfulness. And I could tell you stories. I heard three stories this week that flat blew my mind of God meeting people's needs. And it wasn't through them trying to hold on too tightly to what they had. It was by opposing scarcity and choosing generosity. You say, well, it doesn't work in the financial realm. Well, we're not in the financial realm. We're in God's kingdom. And I'm operating in the kingdom. I mean, if that's the case, I, 
I don't know what I would do. I would probably go take a bath and just watch CNBC. (laughs) But I'm not. You see, if I doubt the supplier is able to supply what I need when I need it, then I will manage what I have in fear and never in faith. My dad always has a way of meeting the need. I don't know how. He's just faithful. Martin Luther said this years ago, this is a very powerful statement. He says, I've held many things in my hands and lost them, but anything I've placed in God's hands, I've never lost. Where are you at today in relationship to money? I mean, I, I want to help you be good at making plans. I promise you, if you email us, if you call us, we'll have someone sit down with you. We'll help you write a budget. Listen, we can do all the techniques to help you get financially squared away. But I think that today we need more than tips and techniques. We need truth. Many of you could testify to this. You could stand up and say, I've been there in my life. I've made thousands or hundreds of thousands and I've owned multiple homes and I've had cars and I've had this and I've had that and and I've lost them all. And some of you would stand up and give a testimony and you'd be so sad about how you felt like that that just didn't make you happy. And then there's also some of you, you would stand up and say, Sean, I can testify to that. Anything I've placed in God's hands, I've never lost. Doesn't matter if it's my kids, my finances, my marriage, my church, my faith, whatever it is. God knows what I need when I need it, and he can supply the need according to his riches in heaven. Would you bow your heads with me today? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, we've talked a lot about scarcity today, and And I want to tell you that when we reject scarcity and we choose to live generously with the resources that God has given us, God will meet our needs. Did you hear that? When we choose to reject scarcity, I'm not going to to have enough. Reject that. And choose to live generously with the resources we have. God, here's my life. Here's my time. Here's my talent. Here's my treasure. I want to be like an open conduit. God says, hey, I'm going to meet your needs. I know what you need. God wants to live free when it comes to our finances. You know, I pray for many of you all the time. And one of the things I pray for on prayer requests weekly is, For those of you that turn in a request saying, would you please pray for my finances? And here's how I always pray. Lord, I pray that you would meet their need according to your faithfulness. And I pray that you would show them how mighty you are. And I pray that this would make their heart turn holy to you. I've never prayed for one of you to win the $30 million lottery. Because that's not going to fix our relationship with money. kind of like God with the quail and the manna where he said, I want you to every morning come and be reminded of my faithfulness. I know what you need. And I know when you need it. And I know how to supply it. 
with our heads bowed and our eyes closed today, there's a person who came here today or persons, and here's where your struggle is. You want to do well at managing your finances, but until Jesus really owns your heart, you're going to attempt to serve two masters. So you're going to continue to say, well, I want God in my life, but I also feel like fixated or fascinated by money. And Jesus never wanted us to be fascinated by money. He wanted us to be fascinated by him. And so today you've got a big decision to make. And here's the decision. Maybe you've never truly given your life to Christ. I mean, maybe you come to church. Maybe, you know, you try every now and then. Maybe you even give. Maybe, you, you know, you, you, you pray. I, I don't know. But if you and I were to be really honest, can you honestly say that there's been a time and a place in your life that you fully surrendered your life to Jesus? Remember what I said? Jesus doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. If you're here today and you've never made that decision, I want to give you that opportunity before we leave. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed. If that's you here today and you want to give your life to Christ, would you pray this prayer with me? Just say, Heavenly Father, thank you for giving me the greatest gift you could ever give me, your son. Jesus, I believe you came and died for me on the cross. And I receive you into my life as Lord and as Savior. Please forgive my sin, the things I've done wrong. And come into my life, Jesus, and change me. And I pray that you would become the master of my life. And that I would no longer serve money, but I would serve you. Jesus, I give you my life. I give you the control of my life today. Come into my heart and save me, Jesus. Jesus, thank you today for saving me.